Hi everyone, and thanks for listening in to our fourth segment in our podcast series, Bridging the Gap and really helping organisations find and hire the next great CPO or procurement director here at Sourcing Solved. My name is Ian, and as always, I'll be your host. And together in this series, we've been exploring the the ongoing issues every organisation faces in hiring procurement talent. And talking with some of our industry's most notable thought leaders, we'll provide you with the insights and the methodologies to solve your talent and sourcing challenges. In today's segment, I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Kaju. He's the founder of the Procurement Foundry, and he's also been a long and illustrious career in procurement. Welcome, Michael. To start, please tell us a little bit more about your background. Sure, sure. Well, thanks for having me first and foremost. It's uh, it's great to be here, and I'm excited to be talking with you. So uh, a little bit of background on myself. I'm a former chief procurement officer for uh, Publicis, the big advertising and marketing global conglomerate. I've been in procurement and sourcing in one way or another for about 30 years now. I did about 10 years in the seafood industry, believe it or not, where I was sourcing fish around the world. And then after that, I came to corporate America and started working on procurement and sourcing and uh, worked my way up to chief procurement officer over the years. And then about two years ago, I left and started my own consulting firm. Along the way to building my own consulting firm, I realized that I really needed to resharpen the tools. I had been at the leadership levels and I hadn't really engaged much in actual negotiations in a few years. And because of that, I needed to kind of circle the wagons with some mate and get my skills back up to speed. And about uh, about a year, 14 months ago, I started a small group on LinkedIn just so that I could bounce some ideas off of my friends and get my uh, skills back up to measure. So we started with about 50 people inside of a private group. It was invitation only. And that group grew from 500 to 1,100 members in about four months on a LinkedIn group. And I immediately realized that we needed to probably get some type of collaboration community because this was going to be bigger than I had originally thought. And so in June of 2019, we rebranded the whole thing, Procurement Foundry, and we built an online collaboration community on a Slack platform. Since June of last year until now, which is about eight and a half months, we've gone from uh, zero members to about 2,400 active members in about 51 countries. Collaboration and the engagement is amazing. Again, it's a private community, so it's just for practitioners. There's no sales or sell-side people that are allowed into the community. So we vet every single person that requests membership. It kind of keeps the integrity of the organization and the collaboration and the networking that's taking place in there is simply amazing. It's good to hear that the foundry is growing and I like the fact that there's nobody on the sales side allowed into the foundry because it really keeps it very much focused towards procurement and procurement practitioners which I I think is a really great thing. Talking Talking about you know, your past and, and, and as you were a CPO, are you surprised by the fact that the majority of executives feel that their teams don't really possess the right skill sets to sort of deliver their strategic objectives? It doesn't really surprise me, to be honest. I think I think what's happening is that the marketplace is changing so fast and the skills that are needed in today's roles inside of strategic sourcing, whether that's on the indirect or the supply chain side, 
I think they're changing so rapidly that there's a gap. And I also think that a lot of the leadership teams are kind of hindered because of the lack of budgets that procurement traditionally receives for training. So it hasn't necessarily always been seen as a must need line item in the budget. And, you know, when you're negotiating budgets and forecasts and things like that, the training line item tends to be an easy target for people to reduce on an annual basis. And that causes, you know, larger and larger gaps in the training and the knowledge base of the staff that you have. So it doesn't surprise me that people don't believe that their folks have have the skill sets to actually complete the task at hand. What's shocking to me is that they're not they're not getting what they need to actually move forward. I think that that's causing some of the skill gap that we have today in the marketplace. So talking about those gaps in procurement and you know an executives team, what areas do you really see the greatest gaps are? Certainly first and foremost, there's a really big diversity problem. So just let's talk at the top. I mean, we're still in a marketplace where it's 70% male, 30% female. So I think that the diversity of not having a good blend of people creates a gap immediately because it's just views and opinions that don't necessarily come to the table. That's first and foremost. Then that's just the mix of the team that they have. And then the teams that they do have, I think probably the largest skill set that we're missing right now uh, is soft skills. I think that there's a huge shift from what procurement used to be, which is a tactical paper pushing three bids in a cloud of smoke arena to now a strategic sourcing, almost internal consultancy practice. It's a completely different shift. One is much more tactical and secretarial in nature. And, and another one is much more consultancy, soft skill, relationship building, certainly active listening, empathy, research and analysis, not to mention quantitative needs. All of those things, uh, I think, are probably biggest part of, of the gap right now. And it's being caused by the rapid shift in procurement becoming a strategic partner in the back office. Touching on the new skills that you feel that businesses require, how important do you think it is to really make those investments and really bolstering the existing skill sets and developing new ones? I think it's probably the number one priority right now for senior leadership in procurement and sourcing. So if you're at the CPO level, uh, head of supply chain management, there is a shortage of talent globally right now, and we're in a good economy globally, right? If for any reason there's a turn in the economy on a global scale, typically the first person that gets called into the room is the procurement person to go, hey, we need to cut 10 or 15% off of our operating costs. And if you think it's difficult to find people right now, wait until there's a turn in the economy and everybody's trying to find talent to go make those budgetary cuts that are necessary in those cost savings opportunities. There's a huge talent gap right now. And if they're not investing in either searching out the people that have the right skill set that they need for the next two to three years or developing that with their internal teams right now and spending the money while times are good, people are going to be set up to have some real problems in the near future. How do you think organizations can really be more progressive and attracting as well as retaining sort of top procurement talent? 
top procurement talent, at least in my experience, now has a pretty good understanding of how much they're worth. I mean, believe it or not, the procurement foundry just put out a salary and compensation survey and we tell people how much they're worth. I mean, our, our members have graciously told us anonymously how much they're worth. And top procurement talent is is worth a lot of money and they know it. So you have to really make a decision at a senior leadership level pretty quickly whether or not you're going to go out and compete in the open market and you've got the budget to go out and buy the talent that you need. Or if you need to spend the long term and really cultivate the talent from the ground up. Listen, it, you know, you, you do a lot of football over there on, on, the, on the other side of the pond right? If you need a striker, you can either go out and buy one or you can grow one inside of your organization over the next five years and then it becomes a superstar inside of your organization. It's the same thing holds true in procurement. Either you need to go out and hire that gunslinger right now and you're going to pay top dollar for them in whatever area it is, or you need to start working on recent university grads or junior associates inside of your organization, find out what they want to do, where their career path wants to go, and and, and push them in the right direction with as much education and learning and opportunity to get there as you can so that two to three years from now, they're your real go-to people in your organization. When companies are trying to attract talent, do you think merely relying on advertising alone is a successful tool to attract top talent? No, I don't think so. I think that I think that, you know, advertising and job boards uh, in the past certainly were the primary way to get, you know, attraction to new talent. I just was talking to somebody last week who is internally sourcing talent from the supply chain management side of the house to come to the indirect procurement side of the house. I think talent is all around you internally. And if you can get some of that talent from other areas inside of the business and show somebody a new potential career path, I mean, there might be an amazing financial analyst in the accounts payable department, right? That could very easily become your next spend analytics quantitative person if they could make the jump over and you could show them some career path and show them some new, new tools. So I think that, you know, historically speaking, advertising for roles, it still has its place. Don't get me wrong. I mean, LinkedIn makes a lot of money on job placement, right? <laughs> but uh, yes. but I, think that, uh, I think that ultimately... I think it's a lot more holistic approach now. And I think that uh, somebody somebody recently told me, you're going to get your first job out of placing a resume or a CV against an ad. The next jobs that you receive for the rest of your life will come out of your network. And I think collaboration networks are really, really getting to critical mass now. And I think people are learning how to leverage those networks. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of the top placements at all levels come from internal referrals, right? I mean, that tends to be a, a really big kicker, whether or not it's an internal referral from somebody who's got an organization, a referral organization that's doing a community like yourself, or, uh, or somebody who's got a part of a separate group, that's probably more valuable long-term than advertising your job out there in the, you know, getting the 500 resumes and not getting the types of candidates you want. I talk to a lot of people who say, hey, I put a job out there on the market. We got a hundred candidates and we couldn't find anybody that works for us because we're, we're, in a, we're in a situation now where people can hire a bot to place their CV on anything that says procurement or supply chain management in it today. So it's literally, I mean, you don't even have to do the work anymore. So how valuable now is the advertisement 
if people are placing their CVs with bots. How valuable do you think keyword matching is in, in finding sort of top procurement talent? I think it's interesting. I think keyword matching is certainly a way, right? You're, you're trying to do something like almost sentiment analysis, kind of like the major brands of the world, the advertising brands do, right? You're trying to figure out whether or not this is a good fit for you from an EQ and a team perspective and whether or not this person has the right skill set. What I see happening long term is not only are you going to do keyword match against the CV, but you're going to do keyword match against all the content collaboration, the messages, the comments that people are making, and you're going to see a much more holistic view of keyword analysis, which creates much more of a profile uh, for that person, for that hiring manager, or for that senior executive who's really looking for a key critical person inside their organization. I mean, on paper, on their CV, they might look amazing, but if you go out and analyze their last 15 posts on LinkedIn, they just, they don't seem to have the right disposition for your team. You know what I mean? Something like that. So I think, I think keyword is going to get bigger and bigger in the search element. I see it expanding across both the CV as well as all the content that's available now for a candidate. From our perspective, what we see is it's common knowledge to enter those very same keywords into someone's CV, which yep. kind of is counterproductive because if you and I put those keywords in because we know that we want to apply for job A, B, C, and D, then we know that the bots will pick up those keywords and will put us into the selection process. How do you think companies can avoid that? That's a good point, right? If if everybody knows what the key triggers are, then everybody has them in their CV and now the whole system becomes kind of useless, right? I think that it comes down to doing much more of a holistic talent search than just the CV. There's so much access to, to folks' data out there and, and also their network. It used to be almost impossible to find people that have worked with other individuals in the past. Now you can click a button and see their top 20 connections on you know services like LinkedIn and others. I mean, we do 360 degree feedback on our internal people on a regular basis. I think that 360 feedback on candidates is probably getting its ground now. So, so it's a lot more than just looking at you know, a piece of paper. In fact, I was in a discussion last week about whether or not the CV is dead or not. You know, has it gotten to the point where you know people can almost automate different versions of their CV depending upon what the job description is, like you talked about, and they're stretching it out based on keywords to get to the top of the pile, right? And and does that by the nature of being able to have 35 different versions of your CV at the click of a mouse, water down the integrity of the entire process. And is there going to probably be a need for something else like a... Uh... I, I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of businesses very much rely on those keywords. And I'm amazed that I speak to various executives and they tell me that their first interview is still, it's still done by telephone and we have all this technology at our disposal like using zoom that we are today yeah and so many people aren't utilizing the technology at their fingertips and still relying on a telephone which is hundreds of years old i think to really understand who those people are behind the resume you need to take the bull by the horns and do conversations like this to really pick up on their 
empathy, to be able to self-regulate, really their emotional intelligence, which you and I discussed beforehand, is, yeah. is, is so important for procurement because how can you build long and lasting relationships with stakeholders if you've got no social skills? Yeah, I mean, listen, um, tele- telephone interviews are all about voice and you can get a little bit out of that through voice inflection and things like that. But keep in mind that, you know, and the number varies depending upon who you talk to, 75 to 85% of all communication is nonverbal. So how do you how do you gather all that input and feedback as part of your decision process if you're not seeing the person that you're talking to and, and they can screen set. I mean, if I was, if I was a candidate right now, I certainly wouldn't be taking an, an interview video conference call, you know, in my pajamas in the morning or something like that, because that shows immediately where this, this conversation is going. But I think that people are losing out. I think that they're just stuck on some older technology, like you said, around the, te- around the telephone when, you know, it's very easy now to get on a video chat for 15 minutes or 10 minutes. And, you know, I see people submitting like these five minute videos along with their CVs. And, and that doesn't help me either because it's very, very scripted. It almost comes off as acting. I can't get a feel for whether or not it's genuine or not. And, uh, and for me, that, that doesn't really work. I learned more about somebody in five minutes talking to them over a video conference. You know, how do they position themselves? How do they sit? What are their hands doing? What are they dressed like? What, where are they calling me from? Are they in a bedroom? What are the artifacts behind you? You know what I mean? All of those things factor into the type of person you are, whether you're going to fit into my organization, what type of drive and ambition you have. Did you show up on time or not? I mean, all of those things, right? Versus just a voice call. I mean, uh, we certainly wouldn't, you know, like I said, 80% of, of all communication is nonverbal. Why would you eliminate 80% of the opportunity? The procurement leaders, they focus a lot of time in building relationships with the suppliers. But I do think the mindset needs to shift and think more proactively in how we attract top talent, which kind of brings me on to my, my final question. And to be honest with you, Michael, we could talk about hours on this subject because it is a very important subject for, Absolutely. for procurement leaders is the shortage on talent. Do you think companies now still rely on their brand to attract talent? And do you think that's very much diluted now to the way it used to be? So for example, a big company like Google, do you think the brand is still as attractive as it used to be in comparison to now? I think they are. Absolutely. I know somebody recently that just literally hunted down Google to get a job at Google California and landed the job and is very happy that they landed the job. So I think corporate brand certainly helps. I, I think that Google is now starting to become what it wasn't in early years. It's not a startup tech anymore, right? I mean, it's an established mega vendor of all things now. Uh, it also still is a place where smart, you know, it's known as a brand that where where smart people go to work, right? But I also think that there's a lot of folks now that are coming up, the the 20 to 25 year olds, who really, really like the entrepreneurial spirit of the small tech startup. I meet people every day that work and are going to work at companies that I've never heard of before. I think brand still pulls people in. 
I think that that's a little bit old school. I think that, you know, people want to go work for Cadbury or people want to go work for, you know, Ford Motor Company or they want to, I think that that's a little bit of a mindset of probably my generation more than the current generation. But I think that brand still has its place. I think that it's diluting because I also think that um, the next generation between 20 and 30 year old people right now don't necessarily feel a need to stay connected to that brand for the next 25 years of their lives and they're job hopping and job hopping creates success both financially educationally and opportunity wise for them so so uh i think from a hiring perspective yeah brand still has its place but i think a lot of people now are looking at okay what can this company do for me versus me being a loyal citizen of you know whatever brand it is most of the job descriptions that you'll see for senior leadership mid to senior leadership in supply chain management sourcing procurement is probably three or four people all bundled into one spec sheet right i mean there's very few people that check all the boxes and what they do then is they go back and they try to manipulate their cv to get them there and you end up with like yeah, I've done technology sourcing. Uh, you know, I crossed my desk as a director once and, you know, yeah, I've been in it for 20 years. You know what I mean? But I, I just think that a lot of the CVs are unrealistic because the people writing the job descriptions in a lot of cases are HR and they don't understand procurement very well. There's a massive gap, which then causes the hiring managers to come back in and go, wow, you really disconnected from what my need was. And, uh, and they're like, well, I, I looked at these other 32 job descriptions that were out there in the, in the ethos and cobbled it all together. And, and this is what I came up with. It's like, yeah, nobody has 93 bullet items of, of credentials. I'm sorry. Uh, e even the best of the best, right? Yeah, so. I, I agree. And it amazes me how many specifications don't list the importance of emotional intelligence as we as we discussed before we uh, came on to the show that yeah. procurement is changing and becoming more of an advisory role shouldn't eq really be top of their their kind of skills list absolutely no question about it especially in the more senior levels right director level up to the c level suite it was funny somebody asked me the other day i, I would I was a CPO with about a couple billion dollars worth of spend under management when I was at the height of my career a couple of years ago. And, uh, well, I still think I'm at the height of my career now that I've started my own enterprise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but when I was working for someone else, my primary skill, somebody asked me what my job was as a CPO. And I said, I'm a politician. I go around to the 35 to 40 business units that we have, and I help push the programs that my team is developing with me. And so I have to build relationships on a day-to-day -day basis. And in order to build relationships, you've, you've got to have those soft skills. You've got to be able to listen. You've got to be able to translate business needs into action. You've got to have empathy for the fact that, hey, this, this person in front of you really doesn't have time to talk to the sourcing procurement leadership team. And, and they've got real problems. They're trying to make sure that they don't have budgetary cuts that are causing them to lose staff inside of their department and really listen to what their needs are and show your willingness to sit down, learn their business, and literally help them be 
a true partner, a service provider, a true internal consultancy resource to them or a professional services organization to them to help support their goals. And you can't do that just by walking in the door and saying, okay, give me your spend sheet and I'll be back with a profile and how we're going to negotiate these contracts. It's not really how it works anymore. I couldn't agree more. That's why we, we very much evaluate for EQ. Yeah, I think it is something that we should really consider more when we are going out there and putting an ad out to find our next procurement executive. Because in, in my opinion, it's not, if not the most important skill set that procurement should have, but definitely one of the most important to say the least. I'd really like to thank you for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll put all your details of the Procurement Foundry and information at the the bottom of our footer. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I'm sure we'll get you on the show again because I'm sure all the listeners out there would very much enjoy your your new podcast as well. So thank you so much. I appreciate it, Michael. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, developing talent is, is, is a very important topic for me. And I think that uh, I think your listeners have a lot, a, a lot of opportunity. So thanks for having me. All the best and you take care. All right. Take care. To those of you who have just tuned in in today's segment, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us. And I'd like to encourage you to not only share the on-demand link to this segment, but to the entire four-part Bridging the Gap series and how to really help you find your next great CPO and procurement director. The link is available through the website of Sourcing Solved and I've also included the URL and the link below. Once again, my name is Ian Campbell McKenna and I'd like to wish you a great and a productive day.